Before we begin today, I want to say I hope you are offering your prayers for the people of Kentucky in their suffering, for the people of Balch Springs, Texas in their suffering, and the suffering of people across our nation and across the world because of the effects of climate change, but also the effects of war. So let us hold people close to us and tenderly in our prayers as we um, continue our worship today. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your love. And may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I want to take a minute and just uh, remind us of the thing that has completely consumed us for the last couple of weeks. The Mega Millions Lottery. <laughs> People have been obsessed with it. I'll confess, we bought our tickets. I mean, consumed with it. And now I'm just itching to know who the person is in Illinois who won the big bucks. And um, I want to say here that God does not begrudge us this. Because this isn't really about greed. It's about dreams, right? I mean, have you sat with your friends and said, if you win the lottery, <laughs> what are you going to do with the money? So it really is about dreaming, big dreams. And let us confess that we live in a culture that operates out of an economy that has to do with money. But that doesn't mean it has to do with greed. And it doesn't mean it prevents us from having an abundant life, which is really what this parable is about. It is not actually about money. It's about um, a way of being in the world. So um, let's take a look at the gospel briefly and uh, see what we find there. You know, y'all know I'm just all agog with Diana Butler Bass and her, her wisdom. And um, she wrote this week, and her starting line was, Jesus was poor. Now, we don't often think about that, do we? But he wasn't just poor. He was the despised poor. And by that, um, it's important for us to remember that the Roman Empire... Uh, in the Roman Empire, carpenters were usually lumped into the people at the bottom of the barrel, the slave class. And that's because any good working carpenter was taxed so heavily that they were enslaved to the state, basically. And moreover, their children were to take, sons in this case, were to take on the the profession of the father and also inherit their debt. So um, the, the truth is, is that Jesus comes to us from a very different culture than where we are in a very different life. Jesus doesn't have much good to say about wealth in the Gospels. About a third of the time Jesus speaks, it is about 
possessions and the dangers of wealth and possessions. Jesus was poor, the despised poor. And so I think Jesus uses a parable today to upend our conversation and our conventional thinking about wealth in his day and in ours. You know, that's what parables are designed to do. They're designed to turn things upside down. So when Jesus speaks of money and abundance, he is actually drawing on the wisdom literature of Scripture. You know, the wisdom literature of the Psalms and Ecclesiastes and Job and those books of the Hebrew Scriptures. And so he draws on, and for his listeners in his day, they would have heard in this parable a reference to Solomon. You know, Solomon, the great king judge of Israel, the wisdom king, the king who is attributed to, to have written Ecclesiastes. And oh, by the way, to connect these two, this parable and Solomon, Jesus actually quotes Ecclesiastes. There is nothing better for people under the sun than to eat and drink and enjoy themselves. Which is what the farmer says. <laughs> Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? <laughs> well, the point is clear, I think, that it's not about the money. It's about the greed that becomes a source of sorrow and sin and suffering. In short, hoarding riches in Jesus' telling is foolish. The farmer is foolish for his hoarding. But having enough, a good name, food to eat, food to eat, living with debt without debt is a blessing that moves us toward abundance. So Jesus is not saying that we shouldn't have enough to care for our family, that we shouldn't have enough to eat, that we, sh you know, that we should forgo all of these things. That's not what Jesus is saying here. That yes, we need uh, to be safe in our lodging. We need to have food to eat. We need to have resources. We need to even save a bit so that when we get to be elderly, we can take care of ourselves. Right? So this is not what Jesus is preaching against. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I watch the greed show on TV. <laughs> Do y'all watch it? Well, I can't even know the name of it. I just see the word greed and I watch it. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it's all about people who have come into tons of money and oftentimes just continue to take and take and take and take and take. And inevitably, in the stories that are told on this show, uh, they find themselves creating suffering for themselves and others. It's a pretty interesting kind of thing to follow. And that's really what Jesus is trying to get us to awaken to. So hoarding or clinging to possessions and wealth um, if that's foolishness, then living healthy lives, being generous people, moving toward abundant living, in Jesus' words, is a key to wisdom. 
In other words, just enough for today, for this day, right? Okay, now here's the good part. <laughs> um, you know, uh, there's always other stories in these stories. And this is the one I really want us to hear because I had never thought about this. I always thought Jesus was getting after us for having all the stuff we have. But really, there's some other stories here. And this one um, uh, goes back to the parable itself. Notice that the conversation that the man has when he's thinking about building bigger barns. In fact, in some translations, it, it actually says, and so I will say to myself, self, it's just hilarious, you know, don't you think? <laughs> Uh, but I want, you, I want us to take a look at this conversation that he's having. He's talking to himself, and we all do that. Sometimes we do it actually out loud. In fact, on the way to church today, I was going, and Stephanie said, are you practicing your sermon? I said, well, yes. <laughs> So, uh, but he's, it's not just that he's talking to himself. It's also that he's talking about himself and only himself. There's no evidence that there's anyone else in his life, anyone else he should care about, anyone else who might have contributed or might benefit from the wealth he finds himself having, from the bountiful harvest that now he needs to build bigger barns for. Instead, confronted with the blessing of, a, of an abundant harvest, all he can think about is what he should do to make sure he gets the most out of it so that he can live comfortably into his old age. There's nothing wrong with wanting to live comfortably into your old age. But in addition to this self-centered focus, the farmer falls prey to the notion that by doing that, he can secure his own future. That he needs no one, depends on no one, which seems to be why God calls him foolish. Because in the end, not only is he not immune to death, but he will die alone. And all that he has stored up, that he stored up for comfort and for protection will go to dust. In short, the man is living in complete and utter isolation. Now let's turn to our life, shall we? Truth be told, I think most of us know that what Jesus is saying is true. We know that money can't buy happiness, although on occasion I'd like to, to try. <laughs> That's why I, you know, buy lottery tickets. <laughs> Let's confess that. The thing is, even though we know this is true, most of us wonder, then how are we really supposed to live, right? We have to ask, okay, how do we now live? That is that most of us are seduced by the same message that captures the soul of the farmer in Jesus' parable, that we can take care of ourselves, we can assure our future, and, 
And we can't really be surprised by that because of the culture we're living in. I mean, consider it. If you watch TV, if you go on the internet, if you do any social media, you know that all forms of media are designed to exploit our inborn sense of insecurity. Insecurity, fear, basically. Consider the, so, <laughs> I got to thinking about this. So, for five years now, New Church has rented a storage unit. We moved into a bigger one five years ago. We have stuff in there we don't even know is there. And yet, we're using resources because we haven't taken the time to clean that up. Now, having a storage unit isn't a bad thing. A lot of people have it for certain purposes that are needed, and you have to, you know, you have to have that. But when we store and store and store and we have no clue what's in there, then that might be a problem, you know? And I, I'm just going to confess right here. Stephanie, can you plug up your ears for a second? <laughs> so... Uh, so our storage unit is in our office. <laughs> I can't tell you. I have a whole corner filled with stuff, and my dad died years ago, but I still have all his stuff next to my desk. We, I mean, we piled on, and Stephanie actually told me on the way down to church today that she has hundreds of charging cables because every, 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 you told me I could tell this story that, that every time she can't find one, she buys a new one. You know, okay, so this is really kind of self-confession time for me at least, you know, and for Stephanie. Little wonder we have fallen prey to our, the cultural norm that more is better. And, and truth is, that, that can serve to isolate us. I had a friend, I uh, went to a, a, church, a clergy retreat, and she walked in and she said, I've lost 20 pounds. I said, I beg your pardon? Because I looked at her and I thought, oh, that girl hadn't lost 20 pounds. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And, and she said, oh, yes, I lost 20 pounds. I got rid of all my sermon files. <laughs> And I thought, how freeing. I had a whole closet, a whole closet in our house filled with boxes of clergy files. And it still took me several years to get rid of them after she told me she had lost 20 pounds. <laughs> of course, this kind of living has one distinct advantage over the abundant life that Jesus tells us to have. It's immediately tangible. This kind of living, you know, click. And we just learned yesterday that Amazon is now in Frisco delivering uh, what? drone deliveries. <laughs> Some guy got ice cream still frozen. Somebody got uh, a hot cup of coffee. The only problem is it, they can, we thought, well, we'd like to be droned someplace. But the only problem is they only carry three pounds. <laughs> so 
Uh, but anyway, you know, it's immediate gratification, and, and we kind of we thrive with that, don't we? Immediately tangible, that's the one thing. Relationships, community, purpose, the kinds of things that Jesus invites us into to have an abundant life, they're hard to cultivate. We know what good relationships feel like. We know what it feels like to be accepted into a community. But it's not like you can run right out to Costco and buy it. The good news is this. Jesus blesses the poor who are his people, his friends, his neighbors. And in blessing them, invited them into an abundant life. Not money, which we conflate with abundance, but with abundance. I have, uh, and I'll date myself on this, but I've been, I found the, this new TV series called The Last Movie Stars. And it's uh, a series about Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. And it has captured me. And part of the reason it captures me is because they both, I mean, she's 92 now. And, and in one part of it, she says, I think I'm the only person alive who thinks it's great to get older. And, and then, you know, uh, so in the last part of his life, they shared in becoming philanthropists and literally gave away millions of dollars to help other people and still do. And they... They had this life. I mean, yeah, they were great movie stars, but they gave their, they took this gift that they had been given of being movie stars and made it into an, uh, giving abundantly to others. And now, most of us are not going to have that kind of wealth, but we do have things that we can give to others through the gifts that we have. Now, we'll, Will any of this giving rescue us from mindless materialism to usher in the realm of God? Uh, not necessarily, not by itself, not in isolation. But part of the promise of the scripture today is that Jesus came to tell us that God wants so much more for us than more stuff. That God wants for us to live and love have mercy and community, and God will not stop sharing this message. In fact, it's the same Jesus who warns us against greed and invites us into abundant life and tells us of God's love that we've been reading about all summer, hearing about all summer. And so we are called to become the church alive through this abundant living. Today, we're going to have a conversation after church about sharing our inheritance with others. We as a church have inherited a lot. We have inherited belonging. We have inherited community. We have inherited joy and celebration together. So how can we transfer that out into our community? In the end, this parable is really about community. The community in which we find help and hope. The community in which we experience a life with God. You know, the whole parable starts with the breaking of community. One brother comes and says to Jesus, tell my brother 
to share his inheritance. Jesus won't have any of it. Instead, Jesus warns about greed and then tells this parable. Jesus is not going to get drawn into this kind of conversation. Tells this story of a man so enraptured with himself and his good fortune that he ends up all alone. So was Jesus addressing the man, the brother, the disciples, the crowd, you and me? Yes, all of us. I'm particularly interested in how we hear Jesus' words today because there is right now in our world an increasing danger that we should be increasingly afraid. And that kind of fear will not lead us forward. And so let's confess that community building is not easy. It means putting up with people who get on our very last fat nerve. It includes forgiving people who have hurt us and forgiving people that it is hard, or engaging with people that it's hard to tr- whom it's hard to trust. But that's what's required of us. Because it's God's will that we do not be alone. God wants for us life and love and mercy and community. And this same Jesus who warns us today about greed and invites us into abundant life and tells us about the love of God is the same Jesus who carries that message all the way to the cross so that we can know just how much God loves us. That's the good news. Thanks be to God. Amen.